I guess when Ryan McBride passed away, a lot of people spoke about how great it was that he had played for the club that he supported. And thankfully, there are other examples of that in the League of Ireland. And we have one of them in studio tonight. And it is week 13, episode 13 of LOI Weekly with Johnny Ward here and Dan McDonnell. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Dan, Stitcher. We're Stitcher, on a few other things. Podcast for public. Podcast for public, you know, and we're in various other things. We're in association well. with Independent.e and Air Sports, and uh, Ollie Horgan, who um, even by his own standards excelled himself in soccer. Republic on Monday night is going to join us on the phone. Unfortunately, not in studio, uh, and we are going to first go to the big news of the day. Uh, but before that, just to welcome Gerald O'Brien from St. Pat's. Gerald, good to have you in. It was a short visit for you. Yeah, nice and. Just down the road. Yeah, happy days. Um, we're very local here, of course, to Inchy Core. And uh, we're going to have a good chat with Ger about his role at Pats now, uh, that he's playing a little bit less, obviously, and what they're doing off the pitch. Some very, very interesting stuff, I think, that people won't have heard about before. Dan, this morning, uh, it's going to be broken about the Limerick managerial appointment. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're speaking on... <laughs> you're trying to confuse us here with your use of timelines. It is, uh, it's Wednesday evening. It's like the way we write, you know. It's always an It's always, day. yeah, it's always this morning will be announced. And then in everyday life, it doesn't just sound stranger when you say it to someone. We're breaking it at the moment, but by the time you listen, it's On Thursday morning, Limerick are announcing their new manager. It's going to be Neil MacDonald, um, who is maybe a name that people who remember English football in the 90s and collected like sticker albums and stuff might remember him briefly. He was with Oldham for a while. Uh, he started his career in Newcastle. Um, more recently, he's been a sort of a, an assistant manager at quite a lot of, of different clubs. He's been associated with Big Sam, Big Sam Allardyce, uh, former Limerick manager, of course, um, himself. So there's a nice sort of symmetry there. Um, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Yeah, Big Sam who... Do you think Big Sam would have said, like, you know, yeah, Limerick's a good place, you'll go there? Yeah, he probably said, he's probably still claiming he won the Premier Division there. <laughs> and then people realise, no, no, it was actually the First Division. But Sam always likes to leave that open. Um, but yeah, he's he's had a brief spell. He he was, I think, managed Carlisle briefly. He was in Sweden for a, for a time. Um, he had a small spell at Blackpool. Uh, he's been caretaker, I think, at one or two other clubs. And more recently, he was at Hull with Mike Phelan in the backroom staff. Only so, last year, I think. Yeah, so he's been around the English game for a long time. Um, I know Limerick, it's, it's sort of like a Sligo Rovers type appointment, this. You know, Limerick are maybe, are they looking at going that way in terms of, um, certainly it seemed like a lot of the main candidates that were mentioned were from that sort of market as well. And I mean, there's a lot of people in English football, you forget, that are, out of work and when these jobs come up you get inundated with it I think Limerick had something like 70 applications really? or something and, um, and that would be no different to Sligo no different to any club really when a job comes up like you, any League of Ireland club I mean the job goes I mean Sean Connor rings up and then other people ring up afterwards <laughs> um, and uh, Sean Connor is he, is he where is the, he at the moment you know, does it, uh, who knows who knows <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of various people that are in for, are in for the jobs when they, when they come on stream and you'd be surprised like I mean I, I do mention I mean Steve Watson was in the shake-up a lot of like again footballers people Newcastle, Newcastle yeah people might remember sort of from their childhood or whatever uh, but there, there's not as much as the English football industry is huge like there's 92 clubs and some non-league clubs are full-time and there's work there's still not enough work to service the amount of uh, ex-pros that are out and there, there was and a they want to spread their wings and actually you know the league is, has a reasonable reputation in recent years for managers can come in here and, and use it to just have a good job, but also to further themselves maybe in their ambitions uh, back in England too. A thinly veiled, I used to collect the stickers there as well, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I, mean, I did when I was younger, yeah. Different times. Different times. Different times. Were you a sticker collector, Ger? 
Yeah, I think everyone was, yeah. weren't he? Um, just used to look for the shiny ones. That was it. Swap the shiny one for as many as you had, and that was it. And <laughs> just Sam Allardyce was mentioned there. The whole England thing, had you any sympathy for him at all? Ah, you do. I think, <laughs> listen, Dan is part of the Irish media here, but I think the English media take it to a different level, to be honest with you. It's... Um, you know, very intrusive. You know, we kind of watch from afar, but, you know, I think he was, you know, anyone who can go undercover to try and, like, anyone in everyday life, if someone was undercover with you all day, they're going to find something on you. Like, and you if know. they f- feed you a few points. Absolutely, yeah. Free points, free drink, um, free food. So, no, it was just, he was silly, like, you know, but I think I remember reading at the time someone who was very close to him, um, maybe he was long time agent or long time friend, someone that you played with or something like that, or you managed to actually kind of introduce him to this guy and was involved, think, you know, yeah. was involved in some way where he thought was genuine as well. So I'm sure that guy is, is feeling a little bit disappointed. But you know, some of Sam's reputation gets the job straight away, he does a great job keeping Crystal Palace up and you know, he's probably a, a little bit more less stress free now, like in, in the role that he's in now rather than the England manager. Gerald O'Brien actually joined us despite the fact that we're deemed to have given Pats a fair bit of criticism <laughs> this year. I don't really think we have, actually. And uh, I think, Dan, we've accepted that, you know, Liam Buckley, the job he's done at Pats, and also that, like many other clubs, are in transition. Um, but what's it been like in the dressing room? Because you're obviously not completely aloof from any, you know, criticism as well, and you made a very poor start by your own standards. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I said to you when you come in. You know, I think... Everyone has an opinion on the way things are going. I think if you're a lot closer to it, you kind of you kind of understand it a bit more. But from going from winning the league in 2013, challenging, winning cups, and we've slowly kind of regressed a little bit. And we've made a lot of changes to the to the playing staff this year. It's kind of like a younger like Darren Markey's come through. JJ's only 18. Rory Feely now is in the team, 18, 19 years of age. Conor O'Malley now is kind of settled in as first choice goalkeeper as well. So. And then we don't making excuses because ultimately you're going to be judged at the end of the season. But we lost Chrissy Fagan through injury quite early as well. And we've missed him for five or six weeks and he's such a big player for us. So we, were, we, weren't, con- we weren't scoring goals and we are conceding. It's a recipe for disaster. But you know we've managed to pick up some, some decent points. We've gone up to Derry and we've drawn. We've gone to, to Bray and drawn. And we've beaten, um, we've beaten Drotted at yeah. the weekend. So... So we, we've managed to get ourselves, it's so tight down there though, you know, from probably Limerick down maybe, it's it's really tight and, you know, we've gone from being bottom on goal difference on Tuesday to winning and results gone away and being an eight, uh, you know, with the final whistle on Friday, so it's it's that tight and to be honest with you, I don't think anyone's really panicking as of yet, yeah, but listen, we know that, you know, it's it's three teams down, so we can't get comfortable. We, we we need to keep progressing, like, you know, to make sure that we're not in that situation come they the end meant, of the season. Meant, you mentioned midfield as well, and like some of the players you've lost. Have you been a, a, a loss as well in the back four at times? Obviously, your experience and so forth, and the relationship you would have had with the players that were there at Bermo and so on. Yeah, I think the experience more so, to be honest with you, like, I've struggled with injuries. I struggled with injuries in 2014, and still managed to have a decent season. 2015 was a right off for me. Um, Big time, really, really struggled with the whole thing off the pitch as well. And then last season, I actually had a really good season by my own standards. Like, I did okay as a team. We didn't do too well, but it was probably, I had it in my head already that I was going to decide to do that. So maybe the experience, maybe the, you know, the calm head and stuff like that. But, you know, when you put in Mike Barker, uh, he's still only 22, 23. You've got Gavin Pearce coming in from Sligo, Rory Feely, brand new to us. So it's a whole new back four, Connor and Barry. 
you know, weren't our keepers last year. Brendan Clark was. So, again, it's a back new back five. Patrick Craig has come in, sitting in front of them. So, ultimately, it's going to take time. But, you know, we can't have excuses. You know, ultimately, you're down the bottom of the table. You need to start picking up points. And, you know, as I said, it's so congested and tight down there. That one win, what results going your way, you can all of a sudden spring up two or three places. Jared, just, I mean, Johnny said at the start, we'll speak to you about your role at Pats. What is your role now? Just the people who are listening, it may not be sort of fully... Uh, briefs and on top with, uh, with, with past developments and your movements what is your what is your position at this so stage my official title would be director of underage football so anything to do with the underage structures from 1970s down obviously the under 15 league is coming into place um, in July so at the moment we'd be putting together a squad of players to be able to compete in that and the under 13s will be coming down the road we've also Tied in with with some clubs, we've got Crumlin United and Belvedere, both would be traditionally big Dublin clubs, and we'll hopefully tie in with one more big Dublin club over the next week or so. And what we'll be doing, we'll be working with them as a partner clubs, and we'll be looking to help develop their players, and when it's time for them to come through, they'll come through into their system then. I mean, it's obviously been a contentious topic, the the change in focus to the, I suppose, the League of Ireland clubs driving the, the... the underage national leagues. What sort of attitude are you encountering out there from these clubs, from the you know Crumlin people and, and Belvedere people that you've obviously been able to establish some kind of common ground? So how have you found their reaction to, I suppose, entering discussions with you? I think it's been a cycle, Dan, to be honest with you. When it was first announced, there was it was met with so much opposition, and rightly so, because for what the League of Ireland clubs should have been doing for a long time, the schoolboy clubs have got themselves into a position with better facilities, good coaches, producing these players, and they've just been told, listen, you're going to have to stop at a certain age. So that kind of frustration was boiling over quite a bit. When the 15s and 13s were announced, there seemed to be panic. Um, so it went from frustration to panic. And we were able to come in and sit down and kind of, you know, sit down with these and say, listen, your fears, you don't need to worry about this. We're not looking to railroad you on anything. Anything, the compensation, which is... That's the big thing t- in is. many ways. Listen, you know. it, it's, it's huge. And that's, that's the real reason why people aren't worried about developing players. They worry about the money that comes in from developing players. So if you, you take, for example, Chris Forrester going over, you know, if, if Chris was at the signing for Pats at 16 or 17 years of age and we sell him for, I don't know, 100,000 euro, like, these schoolboy clubs are going to be missing out on that. So I do understand that and having been involved in the schoolboy section with St. Francis, it can be someone's job or it could be you know, the difference between being able to get new gear or pay fees or whatever it might be. So it is going to hurt them. But I think Rude Doctor has come in and kind of said, listen, partner up with these clubs. So it's a very unusual model that we're taking. Um, we have done research on it and there's a lot of clubs in the likes of Holland and Sweden and things like that would, would do us the, the model that we're doing so they wouldn't have an underage section from 4 to 12 or 4 to 16 that they would you know, have clubs in the area where their players would filter through but you know, every week or every fortnight, wherever it might be the coaches of these clubs will go out and, and work with the with the players so and bring the so best bring the best together. So week to week then again, how, that's how we'll, is this going to work? Then? So what we'll do is we'll probably start off with our own kind of uh, inverted commas mini emerging talent program. So for those who don't know, the emerging talent program is based around the country. There's probably thirty four centres or something like that where the FEI coaches basically player ID, 
are so-called up-and-coming talent and they work with them on a weekly basis. But once a week isn't enough, so what we're going to do is we're going to take the Belvedere, the Crumlin and our other club that we're going to tie in with, and we're going to start taking them players from probably eight, nine years of age, bring them in together, so take the ones that we feel that can all train together and keep working them with each other so they can play and train with the best on a weekly basis and then we can start giving them all the expertise of strength and conditioning and nutrition and all that at an earlier time, access to video analysis. So basically we're going to mirror what the UK clubs are doing. But do they then still play, say, for Belvo or Crumlin or so at the weekend yeah, until the 13? Yeah. Or yeah, so when we, we'll take them in when, when the League of Ireland season begins. So we want these clubs to still have their identity. We want these clubs to chase the same players and, and to battle out on the pitch every week because, you know, if you're taking away that, then they'll have no identity left whatsoever. So we want them to feel that they're still Belvedere run independently, still Crumlin run independently. But... Yeah, there's a pathway up to senior football for them because, unfortunately, they can't get into the League of Ireland, so yeah. there's no pathway for them. And, and from your experience, have you heard around the country that other League of Ireland clubs are trying to embrace a similar model? And I guess the relationship with the non-league clubs and the sort of the smaller clubs at underage level has, hasn't been great in a lot of instances. Yeah, and rightly so, because you know I came into the league probably 15 years ago and the League of Ireland clubs were looked at as, you know, just taken and not giving anything back like mm. we you know tell us your background so from that regard so my background would have been basically I got into coaching Koi probably seven or eight years ago Koi heavily and I would have worked with with, with St Francis in Clondalk and I would have ended up taking over director of football role there but you know what you were getting to before the 70s and 19s league came in there was no you know going out into the community to work with football teams yes the clubs would go to schools and stuff like that but they didn't really care it was everything and Dan, I'm sure, will have more information on this, but any finances that were given or any finances that were earned on the pitch as senior football were put back into wages. They weren't put back into infrastructure. They weren't put into developing academies and stuff like that. And only kind of the last two or three years, basically, people have had to realise that, well, hold on a minute, we need to be able to put proper structures in place here. We need to be able to have a pathway for boys and girls, that when they come to 16 years of age, that they don't feel that, well, I didn't go to England, so I'll just stay and play in Ireland for the sake of playing in Ireland. We want them to feel and say, well, I didn't go to England because I haven't been good enough, so I'm going to skip into a League of Ireland club for the next three or four years, work really hard, keep developing in the right environment, and if I am good enough in three or four years, well, then I will get an opportunity to go to England because, let's not kid ourselves, there is a proper infrastructure over there where the lads can go and they can go and earn a decent living. <laughs> they don't have to worry about 42-week contracts and don't have to worry about signing on the dollar or anything like that. And until we get all of that kind of better in hand from the FAI helping the clubs and the clubs working with the FAI and stuff like that, well then the only route for the kids is to go to England but we need to have our best, the best possible pathway that we can have we owe it to the kids coming through we owe it to the senior international team the underage international teams as well because this is the point I mean um, I, I completely understand the concerns that the schoolboy clubs have and, and some of the anger that, that's felt but I guess the flip side <laughs> is if the system at the moment was perfect um, we wouldn't be having this big review. Look, we, there's no Irish under 25 players in the Premier League at the moment, so clearly something isn't working. So I guess there had to be some form of change at some point. I mean, something had to be tried. Yeah, and, and that's, I've said this to many people. I think we need to have a go it. It might not work. It may not work, but we still really need to have a great good go it. And the thing about it is, 
we can't have a case of a team, a schoolboy team, coming out on the weekend and posting the result at 16 Premier level, winning 11-0. Like, what use is that? They might be proud that they're winning 11-0, but what use is that for the two or three players that have the potential maybe one day to play in the Irish senior team, the Irish senior setup? But is there a danger that with the national leagues there could be an element of that with the regional clubs until they get their house because there have been some yeah. heavy score lines at that level well, that's, too. Well, that's the only concern. So if you take, the ins- for instance, the likes of Cork and stuff like that, so we've got the All-Ireland this weekend under 15s, two Cork teams in it. You've got people like John Russell and Sligo. You've got Galway, Nigel Keddy down there doing great work. These are starting to get more and more competitive. There is some teams that are struggling a little bit, but if you take, for instance, the Midlands of Atlone and Longford, on any given weekend, you could have top five players from Longford, top five players from Atlone travelling to Dublin to play. Yeah. So what they're kind of saying is, well, they, at 13s, when the League of Ireland comes in, they don't need to travel up to a Belvedere or a Crumlin. They can stay and play in Atlone with the right coach and with players who they feel can help them develop and coaches who they feel can help develop them. And is the coaching you know, good enough to make these players into proper players over time where their technique is honed at an early age? And I think what often people would look back at in Ireland was like you were taught kind of as a young player, like know your job and win the game and so forth, where obviously it should probably be more about just getting your technique and your skills right at a very early age. Yeah, well, I think, to be honest with you, it's probably more so the adults that have caused that. Uh, dads like in... Dads, mothers, co- coaches, dads, yeah. coaches as well. Like I was at a 14s game, I didn't go to the All-Ireland, we had people watching us, so I went and took in another game um, on Saturday and two really good clubs, well-known clubs in Dublin, and I, I would say the behaviour and the language from one line in particular was so poor that, you know, if anybody from an international was, you know, standing there watching, you'd be embarrassed, like, you know, and this is 14 Premier Football. So, you know, I think the whole mentality and the whole attitude should be changed, and that's what the FAI are probably thinking, that the best will come up against the best and train with the best and this motto and ethos that they have. So... Like we can't be relying on, although they do Trojan work, the father, you know, who has no qualifications, who's done a great job working with the teams, being expected for him, expected for him to help develop the next crop of the Robbie Keynes and the Damien Duffs and people like that. It's not fair in them. There should be and the guys who've gone and, and earned yeah. the, with their coaching badges and their and their you don't have to have played the game. Absolutely not at all, but certainly have gone and educated themselves enough. You remember the Satanta, when it was Satanta, the documentary that I think was on Home Farm? Yeah. And they, the parents, like, their influence was really, really pronounced. And it was like, you know, you'd mothers coming up, like, telling the manager that he should be playing right back <coughs> and all that. And it really was, it was amazing. Like, and I guess when we were playing as kids... I think that, yeah, most people have experienced that mm. at some... Whatever, whatever, level level. <laughs> whatever level they made it to, you know? From A to Z, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but... It could be revolutionary though, like from 13s, 15s, 17s, 19s. I mean, the, ni- the 19s was hailed, but like when I heard that there was an under 15 league coming in, I was kind of thinking, this is, this is something to be really lauded because, you know, it just gives players a chance to. And I guess if you are a young kid, like, and you're standing out, you want to play at League of Ireland level at that age because you're taking on the best and you can improve. You don't need to move to England that early, like. Yeah, when you look at the squad, the current squad, you know, when he was announced 30-odd the other day, was it? Yeah, 37, Many yeah. of them, Dan, you probably know. Yeah, 10, 12. Yeah, I think it's in that bracket, yeah. Like, and certainly, 12. I think even... Kevin Long now was... I think we club. have, we've had 18 Irish players play in the Premier League this year, and I think, I think like six or seven of those are League of Ireland. That doesn't include, obviously, guys born in England or whatever, you know? So, mm. the, the, the percentage of 
you know, the success rate of home-produced players or homegrown League of Ireland players in terms of actually lasting the course in England is, it's there for itself. And that wasn't the case 15 years ago. Like, that wasn't the case. There was rare examples in squads then. So something has changed. And I was going to say, I mean, okay, I appreciate their players that you've, you've more so inherited. But even the fact that you had three Pats players in the under-17 squad last week, that yeah. is something. I, 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 we spoke about it a bit before. I know that they were guys who've been at other clubs very much, so yeah. they haven't come in under this model you're starting now. Mm. But that must be something. That's something that I think the club must be proud of. I know there's scrutiny around Pats for other reasons at the moment, but mm. that is obviously a positive. You have three in there. No, it is. Our underage section is going really well. We couldn't be happier with it, to be honest with you. We've got some really good coaches in, all highly qualified. We've got the structures there are in place. They're really good. And as I said, our partner clubs we're linking in with, it's going, all going to be really positive. But we can't forget, and this is the thing, nobody is trying to turn around and say that, you know, we three in that squad, two had played in Kevin's and one had played in, yeah. in Belvedere. There's nobody not going to give those guys credit. Because ultimately, what we will take credit for is that our player ID system has been good and we identified them players as being the best at that age group. So we're able to take them in and continue on our development. But, you know, we have a scholarship program with Minute University as well. It's a really, really good scholarship program for the plan B, as I call it. Because every kid, no matter what he says in front of his mother or father, wants to be a professional footballer in the UK because it's saturated so much in Ireland. So what we're saying to the mother and fathers is, listen, trust us to look after your kid. We'll help them best we possibly can to try and get plan A. But if not, then plan B takes over and we'll give them the best possible pathway to have a really good life. So that means a degree in his back pocket, he can continue on to play football. And you know what? After the degree, he might be a little bit more mature. He might be a little bit more physically and mentally ready. So if an opportunity does come, like Jake Carroll went to Huddersfield with a degree in his back pocket, and now was I think he's with Cambridge United or something like that in in, yeah. in, in the UK, like you know. So do you think? I mean, I think it's been spoken about consistently at senior level like the League of Ireland has become a much younger league in, in the time that you've played even yeah. now you're like a if you were playing you'd be the veteran Old. tag yeah you'd sort of hang off you you're, um, you're 32 only is it yeah 33 next month yeah, yeah. So, but uh, there's uh, not many 30 something Alan Keane has just retired at 32 uh, presumably could definitely have done a job you know absolutely I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have considered there's not many 30 something players no. I think if we you know, we're not going to do it because it would be pretty boring podcasting but if we tried to go, to go through the list of them there wouldn't be you know, it wouldn't I be guess it was born out of necessity as well that the, they, they had to bring in the players. <coughs> the money wasn't there. Yeah, definitely. That's one. And the second thing is probably the gap between the 19s league and the first team. So you have to put them in. You know, you're probably spending three or four years developing these kids. And you look at Darren Markey, he came through, only finished up at the 19s this year and has really only kicked on. Could we, should we have put him in last year? Was he ready? Maybe. But you don't actually know until you do this and you need to be brave to be able to do it. So... How you big know, is that step up as well, Ger? Because it's quite a physical league, the League of Ireland, isn't it? It is. And what you kind of see, and again, you know, you look at the amount of boys that have come back from really top academies in the UK, you know, who've had a really good grounding over there and they've struggled to settle in here. It's a different, it's a different world playing 23s, development league over there with, with top international players who might be stepping out in the first team that haven't played. They come into an environment where, let's not kill ourselves, it's hustle and bustle and you must win. You know, you must win games. And we were only speaking there earlier about how tight it is down the bottom of the table. So these guys are coming into an environment where they're starting to feel pressure for the first time, whereas we're hoping to, you know, at 17s and 19s to be able to give them that mentality and that experience. So if they do go on and play at a higher level or they do go on and play in their first team, that 
they're a little bit more ready for it. That they're not, and I, I know there's huge criticisms now in the UK about this. They were going with this development league and it's a great idea and they're able to play. But now all of a sudden they're at the sitting back and taking stock and going, well, actually, this is a waste of money. This is doing nothing. We're, we're, we're basically keeping players to fill a squad who we probably would have let go two or three years ago. Well, Brent, Brentford have got rid of all their underage. So Brentford have got rid of their 16s down. And that's it. They're saving money. Rangers have only dropped out this week of the of the under 20 or the under, I think the under 20 development squad because they think that playing against, without being disrespectful, the Dundees and the rates and stuff like that is not challenging enough to bring through the best players. So what they're going to do is they're going to play friendlies in Europe on a weekly basis. And that's how they feel that they're going to develop their players. So now there's question marks being thrown around with the development league. And I spent a week in Brighton in November and I would have went to watch the likes of Jason Malumbu and people like that um, playing in the underage section, playing in the 18s and playing in the 23s. Very testimonial pace without being too crit- criticism mm. of, of, of the game. Um, but they're, they're looking at that and saying, well, I'm, I'm a reserve team player in Brighton, but I went to watch the Brighton game against Fulham then on the Saturday and there's no way that they are ready to step up by playing in that environment on a Monday and having to jump in and playing against you know players on a Saturday like there's, there's no chance whatsoever it's funny someone we've mentioned we've spoken about like about Chris Forrester who you would have seen and he's a classic late developer <coughs> in, in, in terms of his development and being a model I guess an advertisement for the league system because like, how do you think Chris would have fared if he'd gone into the England I mean he wouldn't have been taken I guess when he was 16, 17 Chris, I know he went over, he had a couple of trials, yeah. didn't he? Which were Chris walked into the dressing room in Bowles when he was 17 in a school uniform and yeah. sat in the corner and was like, like a little lamb. Like. And he got in, you could see from the minute he walked on the pitch, he was something. You know, he had this ability and things like that. And I remember him going on trials of Wolves. Um, I think Mick McCarthy might have been manager of Wolves back then, maybe 2011. He probably, probably still would have been there just about, yeah. And he took him over and he played him at right back against Wrexham or something like that in a game I remember Chris telling me like and Chris said ah, there's no way I'm able for this level but already you could see in Chris's mentality that he wasn't ready to go over he needed to come into an environment the support structure that he exactly. has at home in a, in a, exactly a support structure and also an environment where he's being challenged he's being the fingers being pointed at him if he doesn't do his job properly because it's chalk and cheese you know with the English mentality and the Irish mentality there's a lot of pats on the backs and hard luck here. Over there, there's finger pointing. It's people's jobs. It's people's livelihood. And they're engrossed in that. Um, they're, they're engrossed in, in, in that since they're probably 12, academy football. And you've got guys who are 25, 26, 13, 14 years into this already who know the ins and outs of it. And you've got this Irish kid flipping over at 17 who's trained two nights a week with his local club and had a good game on the weekend because it was easy. He's the best over there, and he's gone into, you know, into a huge environment yeah. where they struggle to cope. Is it just slightly off topic a small bit? But um, if you're speaking to young kids at Pats now, and you're going to give them examples of players to an example to follow, is there examples you, you bring up? I'm going to. I know you're, you'd be quite friendly with James McLean, for example. I mean, is he an example of someone who's just? through hard work has shown what can be achieved in, in football because you, you knew a young McLean as well didn't you, you yeah I played with James in, in, in 09 in Derry and I remember um, another journalist gave me a, a ring one day um, when I was in Derry and said listen give us your best player and run the piece for the 20 clubs or wherever it was at the time um, I want the, the best player the pair to watch out for this year he passed it off as his own analysis like you know <laughs> yeah and uh, I remember saying to him I was in the car park underneath the, underneath the apartment I remember saying James McLean I was only there kind of a month already but he had this kind of 
mentality, which he still has today, and he shows an awful lot more in his interviews and stuff like that. But he, he had this determination. But I could have never have said in 09 that James McLean is going to go on to be a Premiership footballer. No, never. No, not not an ability. Like, and we we do jump to these conclusions when you look at these kids and say, oh, he'll definitely make it. But there's so much of the package missing. Mm. And James has the rest of the package. He has he's good ability. He doesn't have a fantastic ability. He's good ability. But he's got an unbelievable attitude, a mentality, a desire to work hard to get better. And I think that's why James has been successful. And who's the most um, talented prospect in the league at the moment, do you think? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, who's at Pats as well? Because you've got some really nice young players. Yeah, Darren Dar- 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 doing yeah. really well. Yeah, he's Lunny's th- going to be a promising player as well, isn't he? Who? Sorry? JJ Lunny. Yeah, JJ's only gone 18. He was in Preston already. So JJ went over from Kevin's to Preston um, and just didn't work out. He's come back in and he's in a first-team environment. And to be honest with you, he started the season for us and we've taken him out of the team and he's now really banging on the door to get back in the team again. And he's one I feel that can probably kick on again. He might need a couple of years here, but certainly he and has got a chance. I like McIniff off Derry. I think he's really good. He's a good player. Listen, everyone's going to talk about Sean McGuire and people like that, but... McAniff is, is is quite a good player. He uh, he seems to be able to create time and space for himself all the time. Every time I've seen him, I'm playing against him, and that's not an easy thing to do in the League of Ireland. Is it a slight challenge of a dressing room with Pats? You have a mix between some lads who've stayed at home or on the way up, not on the way up, but I'm not saying the lads have come back or on the way down. But you know, yeah. different. They're in a, maybe their headspace might be different because the, the lads who've been away have had to cope with a bit of disappointment already is there a slight contrast there between characters I think the, the, the biggest thing is we would have boys like JJ and Alex O'Hanlon and people like that and Josh O'Hanlon who've come home it takes time to get to know, their, get to know them as from a mentality point of view and, and how do, who they are as people whereas we probably had the likes of Dara and Jack Bailey and Rory for the last three or four years where we know them inside out now yeah. so we're able to be able to see maybe he's not hitting the heights and training what he's being hitting so maybe we could take him out or maybe we can rest him or down him or we know what's going on or we know that he's open enough to talk to us or what way to manage him where these guys are coming home they're in a fragile place their world has basically ended last summer when they're being told listen you ain't getting a new yeah. deal and take Alex for instance Alex was in Liverpool five years I remember him going from Kevin's was one of the biggest prospects and now he has to come home and face the fact that you know I'm not with Liverpool anymore I'm with Pats but we're trying to say to him listen this is not the end of the world here Keith Fahey done it came home from Arsenal Villa when he moved came back kind of you know re-energised himself in the league and then was able to go on and have a career with Birmingham. Do you need a certain type of manager to trust in those young players as well? Like you have Liam there who's used a lot of young players that if we're going to go towards the model of this very young league, you still need managers to have faith in young players as well because there's always going to be pressure Mm. with results as you've mentioned that do you still need a leap of faith from managers to really buy into that sort of young player attitude as well? Yeah, I I think the managers need luck as well. You know, it's a little bit about like you need them to hit the ground running. No manager's gonna sit there and say, "Oh, it's a work in progress. Give me two years." And because if results are bad, you're gonna, you're gonna. It's just the way things have yeah. gone nowadays. The way not so much at Pat's, though. To be fair, you know. No, in fairness, I think Liam has kind of earned it. To be honest with you, like we we finished. He came in. and had a whole new squad in 2012. We've won the league in 2013. We've won the cup for the first time in 53 years in 2014. He's won a couple of league cups. Okay, they weren't our highest priority, but he still managed to put stuff on the, on in the trophy cabinet, and you know only private conversations go on with Liam and the board and the owner. So 
you know, they obviously feel that there's enough trust there for Liam to be able to get us back up the right end of the table. And, and tell us about him. Uh, I, I've often thought that Buckley was one of the first people who tried to get players in Ireland to play the ball on the ground when it really was a kick and horse style. I remember watching you when he replaced Pat Dolan and you could tell that his influence was being inculcated maybe in the squad because he was a baller himself. But what's, what's he like? There's this notion that he's too, too nice almost like and that Pats are a soft touch and, yeah. and all this, which is always bandied about, to be fair. Yeah, I think Liam looks at it differently. Liam managed to have a really good career on the continent as well. So he would have played in a really good Shamrock Rovers team as far as I know. And an offer came in from to go to Warrigham in Belgium. Belgium yeah. um, I think he got the semi-final of the UEFA Cup. Well, so he tells us. Um, <laughs> they went on. To yeah, be, I think he was. He loves a Belgium story. Oh, loves really? Oh, loves the Belgium. How often now? How often will he roll them out? Every day. Every, every day. day. Every day to be a Belgium story. How can he bring? <laughs> how can he bring everyday situations back to Belgium? <laughs> ah, no, no, he doesn't beat them every day. But it's no, a bit he, of a demo Lynch there, isn't it? Yeah. Weekly, I'd say. Weekly. Yeah, yeah. But there's, one, weekly. there's one a week. And what's he like as a bloke though, and as a manager? To be honest with you, I think he doesn't look red like you know. I don't think he comes in. He's he doesn't come in and roar and shout and throw things and stuff like that. He he likes to say, listen, you haven't made a mistake on purpose, but what I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure you know on a, your job on a Monday for next week so you don't make the same mistake again. But, you know, someone who can be rootless and aggressive, you can have managers that stand up and scream in people's face and point fingers and stuff like that. That's fine. And maybe, maybe that's what some of the players need in the dressing room. But Liam's style is basically to, you know, if you haven't done a job for him or you've stepped out of line, okay, you have a contract, I'm going to use you because I'm paying you as much as I can but the first chance I get, you're gone. How does he let you know that? Like, just He knows you, you because, know. listen, I'm sure Dan could probably tell you he's probably looked in the stands the last couple of seasons at players who've been sitting there and wondered, is he injured or why is he sitting there? And that's the reason, you know, the, he can say, right, well, you know, you're going to train properly, you're going to keep paying you but you're going to sit in the stand and if I need you, I'll play and then you're back in the stand. And for me... You know, there's different ways of doing it. Maybe the manager might turn around and say, right, you'll never play for me again. Get in there. Have a little row grin in his face. Maybe that might be the end of it. Maybe he might bring him back in the team. But um, he works in different ways. And he had a career in Switzerland. He had a career in Spain. And maybe he's more continentally based, you know, in the, in the sense of the way he deals with things. And Dan, you know, the typical Irish, English, old school mentality of coming in. And, you know, we've all seen the videos of Neil Warnock and yeah, that yeah. other guy who kind of wanted to fight and bring your dinner and oh, know, yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, the old so, videos, yeah. 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 Dan, I suppose we, 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 uh, we've owned uh, horses together. And I remember asking Johnny <laughs> Levins. This is a fantastic <laughs> tangent. Johnny, Johnny Levins, who was uh, our sole successful trainer. And he used to say as a jockey, you know, every yard I went into, I was always picking up something with a view to becoming a trainer. Yeah. And there seems to be that element out of you that, like, you definitely have an eye on this long term in some shape or form. Yeah, maybe. And to be honest with you, I can't say now for definite that I'd take Liam's thing. Like, I've worked with Pat Fenlon. I've worked with Stephen Kenny. I've worked with uh, Pat Scully. All different kind of personalities. All really good managers in their own way as well. Like, Pat Scully hasn't been on the scene for the last few years. But what Pat Scully didn't know about football, you could probably put in the back of a stamp. He was absolutely phenomenal. And he was probably the one, and I said it recently in an interview, he was probably one of the force for me that kind of changed my mentality and said, okay, you're a footballer here. You're in a force team. You have to win football matches. And I was a full back, and he was sort of saying, listen, if the winner gets by you, you once you haven't done your job, you need to make sure that you don't get, let him get by it. You need to be able to attack with aggression and put cross into the box and get back in the fan. And he kind of molded me into a really, really good full back. I had all the ability, but the mentality that I needed, I needed a manager like him. He was tough, though, was he? Was he tough? He was extremely. Was there tough. a story of someone getting turfed out for laughing in a team talk or something? He was. He was. <laughs> he was. 
intense, listen, wasn't he? He was intense. And to be honest with you, he was chalk and cheese to Liam. But he felt that that's his management to be able to get results. And ultimately, you're judged on you know winning games as a manager and, and how many trophies you pick up. And for me, you know, Liam is probably being the most successful Pats manager that's ever played. Pat Fennin is probably arguably him and Stephen Kenny are probably being the most successful managers in the country over the last twenty uh, yeah. last twenty years. And Pat in fairness was a novice starting out. He won the first division with Limerick, ended up going and sorry, to Kenny, I think he got won the first division with Kenny, ended up going to, to Rovers at a time when we did were an unbelievable we, job. Yeah, well we won the first division in the first year and people say, Well you're Rovers, you're expected to win the first division, but that was coming from Pat. That wasn't coming from fans. Pat was saying to us on a weekly basis what are you doing? We're Rovers. We want to win the league. Second's not good enough. Like You must win this league. And for me, that was the first time I ever felt pressure in senior football. I, he was one of the guys I was amazed when he left Limerick that we just didn't hear him again because um, he'd done such a good job at Kilkenny and uh, Rovers. But uh, we're going to have to move on now. I always love an old podcast. <laughs> Normally we give the results at the start and uh, I suppose it's amazing after Galway United stopping the Cork City run that I didn't actually mention that but uh, we were all just uh, a bit, uh, I suppose, mad about the Limerick story. But the results last weekend, I think actually they may have put a bit of a shape to how the league's going to work for the rest of the season and finally get a bit of shape. Bowes outclassed by Rovers, lost 2-0. Dundalk hammered Sligo Rovers. Sligo, I don't think, had a shot on target. Stand correct on that. Galway United won, Cork City won. St. Patrick's Athletic, two draw to United, nil. Limerick won, Derry won, which was the Saturday game. And Finn Harps, nil, Bray Wanderers, three, which was a worrying result for Harps, albeit against the second best team in the league so far. And uh, we're joined by Ollie Horgan, who is a Pats manager, like myself, a Galwegian, and uh, working very hard uh, at Finn Harps ahead of their visit to his home. Harps manager, of course, Johnny. The, what do they call him? You give him the Pats manager's job. Oh, ah, okay. That'll do. I don't think the Pats players would understand Ollie's <laughs> South Galway accent. But uh, Ollie's coming home to Galway to Thailand Park to MDC Park on Friday which uh, for all of us is always entertaining down in Galway. But good to have you on, Ali. Thanks, Fitz. Thank you very much. Did you ever think on, on national TV uh, you would be the soundtrack to a Rihanna song? No, it's, it's, that, that's what passed my bedtime, you know, so I, I only heard about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rihanna, of course, she once did a, a, a fairly um, ra- ra- probably raunchy um, photo shoot in Belfast or in somewhere in Northern Ireland, and the farmer like said, I'm not having any of this, and he, she had to go to another field. But are you, are you familiar with Rihanna in general, Ollie? Uh, no, I wouldn't really be a music fan in that way, but you can fill me in. I think you're filling me in quite well here. Anyway, Ollie's a top so. piano player, actually. You <laughs> yeah, play, yeah, you're, yeah. Ollie, you can play the piano, Ollie, can't you? <laughs> no, no, no. Very, very bad thing to put it that way, too. Uh, this I've, is modesty, Dan. I've, I've, modesty. I've, I've spoken to people who've watched him at work. I think he's been modest. Maybe there could be a duet at some point. <laughs> Just the, the fact that uh, they were you know, able to do this was obviously uh, a, a reference to you being on the to being banned, basically. Was it, was it very frustrating, the manner of how it happened, in the sense that like, it's obviously not ideal for the, for, you, for the team going through a rough time as well? I don't really know. I, I, don't, think, I, don't, I don't think it had any effect on the game. If, if we had a player suspended, I think that would have a much, much bigger effect on, on your preparation or plans. And that you know, we, we would always take a, a coach or a manager being out rather than a player. So no, you know we weren't good enough on the night, and if you want to make excuses, I think you know the mistakes we made are the excuses, and the three finishes that Bray had were three brilliant finishes to their credit. And uh, you know the fact of, of 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 me not being on the bench was irrelevant, really, of the proceedings. To be honest with you, 
Are you getting a little bit worried in the sense of the run that you're on? You made a very bright start, and it seems to be a consequence of injuries, but uh, you've obviously dropped to the bottom of the table, whereas Galway United and the likes of Pats uh, are picking up points. Uh, you do come across kind of very realistic at times. How do you build up the squad to kind of, you know, maybe improve their position again and rather not get kind of cut adrift at the bottom, which could potentially happen? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you asked the question at the start there, and we're getting a little bit worried. We've been worried for, for years here. <laughs> um, no, look, I mean, you know, we're at the start of the year. What, what was our aim? Obviously, we, we were hoping to stay in the race to avoid relegation, to put it that way to you. Uh, while we are bottom of the table as, as we speak, uh, we're still battling to avoid it. I think, as you said, the last thing we want is to, to, to maybe cut adrift early in the season and, and, and find difficulty in trying to bridge any gap. That's, that's, that's mainly the worst-case scenario. If we can avoid that and have a shot at staying up well into the last series of games, you know, we'll take that and see where it takes from there. Like, you know. And how, be, how bad has your injury crisis been? It has been, it has been, yeah, it has been probably as bad as I've seen with, with with any group of players of any age over the years. But at the same time, we were still able to put, you know, ten, eleven senior players on the pitch. We might have had limitations with 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 maybe the the age profile of of the substitutions that we've made in recent weeks. But at the same time, we we patch lads up, and to their credit, some of them would have played through injury, and you know, to me. They deserve a bit of credit for that alone. But it has been difficult in that manner, but that's still not an excuse for the run we're on. We, you know, we, we had a decent 11 uh, against Cork, a decent 11 against Bray, and we lost those two games heavily. So, yeah, we might not have a huge amount to change in that manner with, with the age profile of some of the young fellas who, who will come along and, and step up as time progresses. But, no, we, we weren't good enough, basically, when, in the last number of weeks, regardless of the injury crisis, although... It probably wouldn't have helped you in, in, in preparation. Probably the worst thing is lads have played through injury and really would have needed a number of weeks off to fully recover. Where do you need to improve, Ollie? I mean, you said you maybe haven't been as good as you would have liked the last couple of weeks. Sort of in what areas have you struggled? Well, look, we've conceded in the last four games 12 goals and we haven't scored any. So you can pick any of you want there, you know. Um, it's it's it has been difficult without doubt. It's not for the lack of trying. So you know we we found last year and in particular at the moment that mistakes we made were were heavily punished in in this division. And if, you know you referred to the Bray game at the weekend where you know we made a lot more than three mistakes, but three mistakes were finished with three very very good finishes to their credit. And that's the, you know that's a, a big a big difference in standard when you look at the finishing that Bray had and even the week before in Cork we stayed with Cork for an hour at 1-0 down we were quite competitive and, 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 and we had a, a sniff of it a chance of it when the second goal went in from Sean McGuire which was another mistake from there to the end we were, we were well second best so you know we need to cut out mistakes but we also need to take the, the limited chances we have at the other end so no, to answer your question all around we haven't been good enough in the last month and, and we need to improve uh, all around from, from, from defence to attack and can you tell us about your plans up there as well? Because, you know, you look at Finn Park. I've been to United Park in recent weeks. These are grounds, really, that are anachronistic at this stage. You know, when is, this, when is the move going to take place? What's the latest? You're asking the wrong man here. Um, yeah, there is, there is progress as regards that, you know, talks have been resumed, and we're very hopeful that, 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 that we may get to go ahead to 
to push on with the stadium. But we've been hopeful before and, and uh, you know, maybe felt a little bit let down. So, you know, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed that in the next couple of weeks, maybe months, that, that we could get go ahead to, to, to restart across the road in Balabasay there in, in Stranoller and, 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 you know, maybe get, get through a project that has been a long time waiting. But look, that's out of my control. And, and you know, by the time that pitch might be ready, I, I don't know where I'll be. But anyway, we'll, 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 you know, it's positive, but, you know, it has, it has been positive before and hit pitfalls. So we're hoping that this time we'll get to go ahead to, to push on with it. And I actually, I, I, I mentioned your name one night at a game of soccer I played with a fellow from Donegal, and he said he, he played in school, and I think you were either his... I think you were his coach, but how how did you end up in Donegal actually, and what what has been your kind of history up there? Um, because anyone who's from Galway will know with that accent that you're definitely not from Donegal. No, basically, work work took me there. I'm working in a school as a PE teacher there, and lucky enough to get a job. <laughs> to put it that way, yeah. well, he spoke you know, very um, highly of you anyway. Right, that's great. He wasn't in the pub or anything. Have you seen it? No, no. no pa- Pauri Curry, left-footed player. Lovely, lovely. Oh, lad. yeah, 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 yeah. Good letting, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he had plenty of ability to be yeah. fair to him. Still yeah. has, yeah. No, yeah, uh, no, basically, that's, that's, that's how that, that transpired. You know what I mean? The, 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 you know, you, you look, you'd, you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be in Galway quite a lot as well with, with the travel and the sport. But no, that's, that's where he ended up and that's where he's to land. But, uh, you know, it's not particularly about me. It's about trying to, to keep some harps in this division is really what we're trying to do. And I presume that's what we're talking about as well. That's, you know. Yeah, and I suppose, at the, you know, Dundalk at the start of the season had Paddy McCaw training for them. He was, tra- he was probably angling towards coming back. Did you take a gamble um, bringing him back considering he was obviously out of shape at the start of the season or was it like, well, it's Paddy McCaw, it's not even a gamble? No, Penny McCourt, it certainly isn't a gamble for anybody. Uh, you know, I think I think it's really circumstances. You know, um, with Paddy, that that is 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 probably the main reason he's playing with us. Uh, you know, you, you can speak to Paddy, then go into those details himself. But uh, Paddy wanted to stay near home for 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 personal reasons, and we fitted the bill. And to be fair to him, uh, I, I don't think he was ever a gamble with the sender that he brought in on the pitch. But to be fair to him, off the pitch, he's been excellent as well. And, you know, he's one of the lads that has played through injuries in the last number of weeks to, to basically put a team out in the pitch. And, and he has struggled from week to week, but he's still talked out to his credit. But, you know, he's one of the ones that probably could do with a couple of weeks rest to try and get him fully recovered and fully fit. But, uh, you know, he, he's been excellent on and off the pitch for us. And, and long may that continue. Just, Ali, it's not just sort of one game on Friday. We've almost got three games coming up in a week with the, yeah. the midweek fixture next week. I mean, is that even more challenging? Do you have to sort of, I don't know, juggle your resources a bit? Or can you even afford to do that when you've just got every every game is so important? Well, it's not... It's Yeah, ideally, if we had everybody fit, we could maybe, you know, alternate players between Friday and Monday. And, and possibly the following Friday, but we don't have that option. And all we're looking at is Galway at the moment, and we'll, 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 we'll address things on Saturday morning with whatever we've available for the Pats game, which, which might be limited. It's limited enough what we have available for, 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 for Galway. But no, we, we don't have the resources or people or men, manpower available at the moment to, to pick and choose and, and who can play. We're trying to patch up a team for Friday here at the moment, and that's really... That's really all we can do, you know. And before you go, what plan do you have to stop one of the foreign teams in the league on Friday? Uh, we'd probably say a few prayers on the way Stop off in Lockdown <laughs> or something. Yeah. Well, no, we stop off in more than Lockdown, but uh, <laughs> no. To be fair to Galway, uh, they're flying, and uh, I always said it. I think they're in. They're in. They're in a, 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 
probably a wrong position in any manner. They they gave us probably the biggest hiding of, of the season in the second half in Balabafay when we played them, even though we scraped a draw against them. And that was then only starting their year. And that includes, you know, us going to Cork where we got beaten five or even getting beaten three by Bray. I think in the second half against Scotland and Balabafay, they destroyed us. They I got just back hope the Bowie United players are not listening no. to this. They'll be going in thinking, we're brilliant. Ollie thinks we're, we're going to hammer you on Friday, you know? Well, <laughs> they're you're building them up quality, like they're Brazil here, like the quality players all over the pitch, and you know whether they want to hear it or you want to hear it or not. I, I'm only saying what I'm saying, and to be fair to them, the, the little bit of footage that, that that they played against Cork, they 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 probably deserved to win it, and we went on the week before to Cork and got beaten five. So, yeah, it'll it'll be very difficult. I still think they're in, you know, they're in an incorrect position. I I don't think Galway, with the quality they have, will be in the relegation fight. They might be at the moment, but it's too long a season with the quality they have. I, I can't see them in next year. And last question, would you like to be the Galway United manager at some point in your life? Right, I didn't realise that Shane Keegan was packing the team. <laughs> Come on now, Ollie, answer the question. I'm, 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 I must give him a ring here to see. I didn't I didn't realise that Shane was going back to, 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 to his job up in, up in Port Leash there. Um, listen to me, I, I, where I am at the moment, I'm, I'm delighted that, that Finn Harris gave me a chance. And Look, long may I continue here, to put it that way to you. Ali, it's been great having you on. Best of luck uh, after Friday night, obviously, in the rest of the season. <laughs> Thanks, Ali. Right, See. boys. Uh, he, he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a character, Ali. It's, it's good to have a second enigmatic Gull region on the show, you know, in a particular week. Gerald Bryan, you're like, <laughs> going to say something? You're or? also very nice to Ali. You said, he, he, Ali, you're very realistic in your comments. He's, all, he's always very pessimistic in his comments. That's realistic? He's he, managing harps. Yeah, he, it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect. Beat Pats earlier in the season. Did. That's when you were in crisis mode, I think, was like, you know. I think they may have had two chances in the whole we game. We talked about we had Brian Kerr on after that game, didn't we? Mm. That yeah, was, Brian that was, was on that. That, that was a yeah. tough night for Brian, I think, yeah. but it, it's, very, it's very difficult, though, Ger, for, you know, it's just foisted upon you with a month or two to go before the season, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, three teams have gone down, by the way. Uh, Harps would have realistically thought, you know, we could come second last and stay up. And it's so tight, like, that Pats are still down there. You know, uh, were you a fan? I know we were over every single week. Were you a fan of the 10-team league? No. no. I think I, I tweeted, it, tweeted about it the, the day I came out. Um, no, I think it's it's poor form, to be honest with you. Not even for the three going down, but what chance have the first division clubs got? You They're know, almost see, forgotten about. Yeah, well, you see Waterford there with with a big enough budget, and they should win it, you know. But what chance have Longford and Cove and you know other clubs like that got? So basically, they're just wasting a year. And I think what ends up happening when when you know when the competition goes out of a league, well then you're a recipe for disaster, especially in this country because you've got owners there going, well, I'm paying. Hold on a minute, I'm giving two, three grand a week here for wages. Nah, don't need it. No. Not going to get relegated. Cause, cause not going to get promoted. Because this is going to go on as well. I mean, this, this stuff in the, the Sunday this week about uh, potential debates for for even next year. Um, when we get to the ten, you know, I think there's potential options out there about you know splitting the season, you know, into a six and a four as you get towards the end of it. Uh, potentially a playoff for Europa League place. I and mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, once we once we get to a ten, uh, would you still would you be open to more? I don't know, experimentation within that or... I don't know, it's like, my biggest gripe was that, you know, as as players in the league, nobody came to speak to us. Nobody, whatsoever. Why would they speak to the players? Well, exactly, that's, it's crazy. So in any industry, if, you know, if you're managing any business, 
you know, if you want to know how to make it better, go and speak to your employees and ask them what can we do to make this better. And I, I think, sure. I mean, I just, I just think it's such a failure on the part of football in general in Ireland that they don't promote the actual product, namely the players. And I don't think they have enough faith in how good the players are in Ireland. Yeah, well, let's think, you know, you look how, how big Dundalk got last summer um, with their European, sorry, not summer, all the way through to November. Mm. Their campaign was incredible. And, you know, if you ask any kid on the street who's your favourite player in the League of Ireland, I guarantee it, whether he was in Donegal or Cork or Galway, he probably would have given you a Dundalk player because they were on the telly every week. It was great. You need more of that. Coverage was unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, I, I just wonder, though, I mean, part of the debate around this structure is it, it would seem like that some of the bigger clubs maybe want a longer season. Maybe some clubs in the first division wouldn't be able to sustain that. Is, is there a potential problem here that you, you, you're going to have a split between clubs who, and you mentioned a 42-week contract earlier on, mm. uh, we, we've unsatisfactory length of season, I would say, in mm. terms of you know, the off-season and so on. Is it, is it going to be difficult to find a solution here that suits everyone when you have clubs with very different priorities, I guess, around the country? No. I think Paris to be needs to do more. You know, throwing five thousand euro to a marketing plan and put that towards you know going with doing a marketing thing. I think, uh, listen, Iceland got through to the wherever they did the semi-finals, maybe quarters, of the quarters Euros, yeah. and they got X amount of money and they gave their teams I think something like two million quid. Yeah, I think it was more even. Um, so like yeah. we we listen, we need to be more proactive. I think the clubs really need to get together and be a lot more stronger. Listen, without sparking anything major, there's loads of rumours going around that it could be the FEIs last year and, you know, maybe maybe we should all start looking into that. Maybe if outside investment could come in, you know, do their own TV deals, there, show exactly There is a lot of potential there, isn't there? You know, there's more potential than has been realised at the very least. Yeah, well, if you go and watch Ireland play Wales and you, people can't get a ticket because there's 52,000 people out and there's probably another, could probably fill it again and... You know, the amount of people, that, how many people are in France in the Euros? There was probably 100,000 people travelled yeah. to France at some stage in the Euros. Like, listen, we're, yeah. we're a nation of bandwangers in the best of time. Like, you know what I mean? We, for every sport we do, but for, for Irish soccer, needs to be you looked after a hell of a lot more. Jer's Jer uh, taking over the show. I just I think he's much better than you and I. <laughs> he's, he's definitely willing to take things on. Because I was in Terryland last Friday. I was really disappointed with the crowd. And I'm like, I don't know what going I did need to do. Uh, Cork City were in town. Finn Harps are in town, Dan, on Friday. Uh, our predictions last week, Limerick screwed us over a little bit with that late equaliser by uh, Benny. I think, I think you would have had five out of six, and I would have had Which four out Which wasn't a bad goal. Yeah, yeah. We, we're doing okay. It's okay. It's not bad. I mean, I predicted the... You were going to predict the draw and go United and Dock as well. Yeah, only you talked me out of it, yeah. Yeah, and even, so if you'd gone, that was a... You know, that was a... It wasn't a bad. A, it wasn't bad. But anyway, go, uh, but go, let's, let's just take wild stabs. I'm going to get, get Jarrah's prediction on the game as well because he's seen both teams, you know, and obviously then he'll predict Pats will win. But, like, why not? Let's let's see. Let's <sighs> let's go Let's go. Go United versus Harps. Galway Harps. Um, I guess Galway should win this game, but I, we spoke about this earlier this week. You, you think it's perfectly logical that, that Galway are in a good run of form and this is probably the, inverted commas, easiest fixture that they've had in a couple of weeks. But I think maybe to to go from being a team that's been very good against the Dock and Cork to suddenly dominate in a side that's deemed to be at the same level, it could be a small bit of a challenge. They've only still won one game this year with a, in the league, with yeah. a, with a 93rd minute goal. Yeah. So... It just may not be as clear cut. I, I probably would go for a Galway win. I know you're really confident. I just think they, they might just win it. But I, it's not like they, they struggle. You know, didn't beat Drada, and you were very much so. Oh, well, they're gonna 
lift it from beating the dog to draw it. I think when you're coming to a scrap where Harps are battling for their lives down there now and Ollie will have them set up for that game, the pitch isn't great. It's easy to make that a bit of a battle. So I mean, the stalemate's not out of the question. But definitely probably not. a Galway win. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I, I think we'll win because we're, we're not you know, maybe uh, making the mistakes we're in the season. Your prediction? Well, we've only played against them about once. I think Galway, to be honest with you, from the time we played them, they scored, listen, a 90th minute penalty or 94th minute penalty, but they've done okay. Like, and we've had them watched in games and stuff like that, and they seem to be at the turn of the corner. I think they just need a little bit of momentum with results, and they probably have that now with a win in Dundalk against Dundalk and then a draw. I'd expect them to win the game. And you'd actually be surprised how important that goal was to go United season, that goal against Pats, because it was just something out of the games that they've been playing well in. I got a lot of late goals, actually, yeah. after that. Cork City versus Strahdy United. Um, the, the, the drugs last week, um, on the highlights, it looked like they were well and truly outplayed. I was talking to one of their players. He said, as bad as the decision not to give them a penalty in the second half was, they didn't deserve out of the match. Yeah, I'd agree with that, to be honest with you. Um, we, we, we started really well in the game. We got a really good goal from, from a set-piece routine. And to be honest with you, we're out being disrespectful. It could have been four or five at half-time. They kind of went a little bit longer second half. And and the, the beauty of Pats is Fagan hasn't actually started to click yet. No, he could have had four the weekend. Um, but Just that's a bit of rustiness? Yeah, that's, he still hasn't completed a full game. In probably six or seven, eight weeks maybe. Um, but no, it was a stonewall penalty. He wasn't given. It could have changed the game. As I said, it's probably the little bit of luck that we needed but Turner's Cross is a really tough place to go and I'd imagine the mentality from that group in Cork seems to be disappointment after last week in Galway they're expecting to win games and like right I'd find it difficult now to, to predict that we're a home win. Nice piece in the programme, Dan, on Friday about John Coffey coming into the going night dressing room after the game to give them a bit of a pep talk and to say how impressed he was with them. Um probably won't do that in Drada if they don't win this game, I would have thought. No, I, Cork, I, I, I just think we'll I keep it brief. I think I think Cork should win that game. Home if they're gonna, if they're gonna go on and win the league, they'd be they they they'd be in as close to crisis territory as they have been, you know, this season. If they if they don't be drawn out home after dropping points last week, this is a good good fixture for them to bounce back in. And I, I love the way in soccer probably they're like, oh, they still have to play Derry twice and they still have to play Dundalk twice. Like, and there's like all of a sudden it's possible Cork will drop all <laughs> the points game, but. Obviously, the big game is uh, Derry and, and uh, Rovers, which is an intriguing game, really, Jar, in the sense that these clubs, their season has been a bit topsy-turvy, but Rovers seem to be hitting form now. Yeah, listen, Rovers probably, looking at the squad on paper, they probably haven't hit the heights where they should have, but they seem to be getting their act together the last few weeks. Brad's the same sort of finally settled with, it, with kind of a formation and a team, and, and that kind of consistency will help the players. Listen, they're a good they're a good squad of players. They've got some really, really good talented players and by all accounts they won well against Bowles and Daily Mount. Derry have just been up and down for obviously, you know, different reasons. Um, they started the season really well. Took them a while to get going again when they restarted. And we played them up there and I must say, first half up there was the best any team has performed against us this season. Only for Conor O'Malley we could have been far down at half time. They were that good. Um and it's weird little surroundings, a little done obviously being up there. Yeah. Been up there yeah, small yeah. little kind of villagey yeah. dressing rooms are poor, small, the heat and beyond. Yeah, and uh, pitch is actually okay in fairness, but um, real kind of small, tight surroundings. And, uh, you know, it'll be a tricky game for Rovers. There you have players that can, uh, or they're just, unfortunately, they're just missing a little bit now with, with kind of Patterson up front out injured for a while. McIniff is back now. Law was, was out injured for a couple of weeks. And then obviously they just need to, you know, at the, in the defence obviously for obvious reasons they, sure, they yeah. just need to you're talk. going for a draw here are you? 
It wouldn't surprise me if Rovers went up there and won. You're going for Rovers. Right, yeah. two quick questions for you. I'm going to fire the match. McIniff or Finn, if you could sign them tomorrow? I think McIniff now because of his age profile. If but I played at Ronan. Ronan's a terrific yeah. player. And how good could Conor O'Malley be? Yeah, really good. He's uh, he's obviously down your neck of the woods. I think he might Mayo be in Mirview for a yeah. while. There, Johnny he? Glynn had him and really John, raised Yeah, him, I think yeah. Johnny's really good family friends, stuff like that. Yeah, listen, he's incredible. The saves he makes is really good. He needs, like any young player, goalkeeper especially, needs to work on different things, especially he came, he was so raw coming from, coming up from... Um, Red facing him and all. Always, yeah. <laughs> but just on, on, on McIniff and Finner, like they're very similar in a way. Obviously, McIniff drops a little bit further and can play up. Ronan now was all go. Like I remember in the cup final, Ronan's performance <laughs> was absolutely incredible. I remember watching it. I'd say he ran... Send it on the tour, say Dan. Yeah, I think you remember tweeting at the time. Oh, that he, it was phenomenal. You just have a sat nav tracker on him or something. Yeah, so it was, it was phenomenal. Like, I was just sitting there and I, have a, and I played with him, and he's a really thick boy, but that performance, he was just, I felt sorry for him because he gave everything that day. I, I, he, and he's playing so well at the moment. Uh, Dan, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm going to go for a draw here, but I've no real confidence. Yeah, like Rovers were, were good last week against Bowes. In fairness, they just got two up, and the second half, they weren't that ambitious. They just they were pretty happy to let Bowes come at them and Bowes don't know like score many goals at the moment. There was a lot of long throws, you know, like every long throw, every throw they got was a long throw and set pieces, but they didn't really have anything. So Rovers actually managed it quite well, which is things, they maybe haven't managed games well at times this season has been one of the criticism. So they were quite good. Um, you're going for a draw, yeah? We can't it's just a, go for the same prediction. No, no, you can. You can. There's yeah, no, I was going to go for a draw. It's a collective um, as well. Yeah, it could. This it's a very hard game. I, I, I do feel like that could be a score draw. Score draw. It's definitely not going to be nil all. And um, I, I just think the point you make there about Bowes and we could bring in uh, Drogheda and Harpsness. I think the teams with the f- smallest resources probably are now just. It's finally hitting them, especially with injuries to the likes of Bowes and in particular Harps. Um, but okay, we're a bit of harmony in that game. Bowes out and Bray maybe. Well, well. Okay, yeah. Well, let's go. Let's go. We're on the bow subject. <laughs> How are they going to get at in Bray? Yeah, like Bray. And the only thing is, like Bray are, are scoring a lot of goals. But they've they've been even in halves last week. They're really good on the counter as well. Um, Bows know that they're they're limited up front at the moment. Akinadi is going to be out for. He had a little setback, I think, and it's going to be July at the earliest. Oh, when he's that's back. not good. Yeah. Um, and they had Corkovan back last week. Um, but I just wonder is a few ex sort of bows men at Bray and I just sort of wonder will they go out and just set up and try and frustrate them a bit and if I was going to go for a bit of a surprise this week maybe a draw in that match I mean all the form says Bray win but um, just to go for something maybe bows to, to to go out there and draw the game uh, I think there's no chance of that actually and McCabe's goal last week absolute the, the goal of the month actually last week after it's McCabe's good, goal wasn't it? Uh, the best goal of the month I've ever seen actually in Soccer Republic it just but, needed, uh, it, sometimes it's just a great goal nice need, needs stadiums like they should have had a, a goal all the goals are up in McGinn Park the goal, <laughs> the goal of the month in Iceland you feel like you want to put in you want to put in a mural behind the goal <laughs> yeah. or something like Arsenal back in the 90s or something like, with the lad permanently uh, celebrating yeah, you know. yeah. Um, Bray home win banker here Jer. Uh, yeah, I think he. Uh, I seen something in the paper today about Keith. He's just kind of alluded to the fact that they're trying to stop the rot of defeats, and we were the same when we were going through it. It's you kind of do anything. You're not actually worrying about winning games. You're actually focusing on not losing. And uh, I agree with Dan. I think balls can make it difficult for Bray. Bray are really good attacking. Was um, be a close game. Gary McCabe suspended for that one. We should mention as well. So yeah, so that 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 is a slight problem for Bray because he's been so important for them. That's interesting and. Uh, 
arguably second biggest game of the week is Limerick Dundalk. Well, with the, the new manager, mm-hmm. there's going to be in, he's going to be in the dugout as well. I gather so he's he's involved. He's not sort of up in up in the stands or anything like that. So uh, sometimes you, you you say oh there'll be a bounce factor and but they you know the manager comes in and galvanizes them or whatever. But they've actually been doing okay. You know with, with Willie Bowling the last few weeks. I think Dundalk uh, can win this game. I think it's a good pitch. It's a, you know good surface should suit them. Um, I fancy in a way when there were signs in the Sligo game last week the second half by speaking to people who were there that they looked a bit more like their old selves I think they need to back it up because uh, their away form this year has been surprisingly flaky and if they're going to get any kind of run going just with a couple of games or three games and we will, we'll mention the midweek games now in a minute there is a chance for them to get a run going and I, I do fancy them to go and win this game uh, Dundalk are my bankers of the week that are you know a reasonably kind of you know, not not an obvious formality, and uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think the big pitch might suit them, but listen, when we played against them up there, they were really good. But we got footage of their three games before that. They lost to Derry on the midweek game, and they um, they've been erratic probably. And I'd say he's known Stephen like it'll be frustrating because he he'd like to think he could have betted those that many players in. Uh, new manager bounce is a tough one. I we've got stung in the past a few times with that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised me if that was a draw. Uh, and finally, St. Patrick's Athletic at home to Sligo. And you have that unfortunate thing now with Sligo coming off a 4 0 defeat, where obviously they'll be trying to prove that that wasn't the true Sligo. Like. Yeah, well, we had someone up there. We've watched stuff this week. We've got the match report. And by all accounts, for 53 minutes, maybe it was 0 0 and it was a tight game. And I think Sligo definitely went there to frustrate Dundalk. That's the report we've got. But. Um, I think they might come out with a different mentality than us, like against us, they'll come and see us and maybe that they can get at us and stuff like that. But by all accounts, it wasn't really a 4 0 game. We played them down there earlier on the season. We were both winless, both pointless, and uh, we ended up drawing 1 1. I think it'll be a tight game again. They've, it's just we kind of knew the type of way that the manager, the all manager wanted to play. It'll be interesting to see the new guy and how he sets them up. And, you know, I think everyone is just trying to get to the July, to the break, the window, and, and kind of. Maybe if there's a few quid bouncing around in the clubs, they might be able to get a few players in, and I'm sure they're no different than us. Home win? Yeah, I'd like to think so. Danny, what, are you, what are you going for, home, Johnny? Home win? You fancy a home win? Yeah. He's just yeah. saying like a song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every well, week it's well, like Given that, oh. I think we've had four out of five same predictions. I'm going to break through. I'm going to go for a draw on that game. I, uh, Yeah, I, I haven't seen Sligo with, with the new manager yet, so it's, it's sort of... They did seem limited in some ways last week, but again, maybe there was an element of they were going away to Dundalk, and as you mentioned, that might have been sort of playing to the uh, playing to the occasion. But maybe a draw. But I think that was impressive from Pat's last week. I mean, we were quite negative about Pat's. I think generally last week, and I think there was an element of making. It, I know Jerry's here, not going to, you know, but there was, I, ele- I, I was element of a, there was element of a statement. I was following the, the 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 Twitter updates on Friday, and it was just like Pat's goal, chance, chance, and it was a sense of well, they've actually responded in the right way to the questions that are asked yeah. of them. So, um, yeah, that's a it's a it's a big game. I, I think I think Pat's and Goal United are quite similar now because they're trying to uh, build and they've also gotten some of the weaker teams together coming at once, which gives them a chance to get out the relegation zone. And in the first division, Watford have just edged ahead of UCD with Cove only a point further back. Three teams a long way clear of shells, actually, who are eight points adrift uh, of Cove. And the fixtures are Cavan versus Athlone, uh, who obviously have Roddy Collins in charge. Um... We really should have had Roddy on the show, shouldn't we? Not, well, not with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, last time we spoke on the radio, it didn't go, didn't go well. No. It was to do with the uh, the, <laughs> the 
FBI Cup final and no player would go to League Two, was it, or something along those lines? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so, that, so Roddy being Roddy. Let's just say, yeah, just Roddy doing Roddy things. Um, yeah. Roddy, you, you speak very similarly to Roddy about football in general, actually. Oh God. <laughs> uh, UCD against Cove. Actually, that so that is a big game. So Cove have the chance potentially, um, definitely take over UCD and possibly take over at the top again. We obviously had Stephen Henderson on last week. Waterford will fancy their chance against Longford. That's um, big, yeah, too. Well, Longford probably would have been the top two contenders at the start of the season. So Met, that should still be a good game. Met one of, one of their main uh, board members randomly in town today, and uh, she's hoping that things can pick up because they're third last at the moment. And Johnny, we'd love to get just a sat nav <laughs> on you just wandering yeah. around town. Wexford against Meeting Shelmer. uncles, players. Dan, Dan you're going to have to, you're gonna have to help me out. I will help you out, Johnny. We do have. Um, Premier Division games as we mentioned briefly with Ollie Horgan next week we've got three on Monday Sligo Rovers against Cork Shamrock Rovers against Galway Finn Harps against St Pat's and then on Tuesday we've got Drada Bray Bowes against Limerick and Dundalk against Derry so yeah nice trip up to Donegal on a Monday it's actually well, quite difficult you've they, part time players and yeah, stuff yeah they well. had to come down to us on a Monday as well so it seems to be the reverse so wherever you played because I remember Dundalk went up to Derry on the Tuesday oh, yeah, I was at that game actually yeah, yeah that was a so I think it's probably only fair if you're going to do it like that yeah it's a, it's a, I know it's the classic cliche like difficult place to go but it, it is going to be in the circumstances that, that's a tricky little game isn't yeah, it yeah listen it's a big weekend for all clubs when you hit two games on the bounce so quickly you know six points up for grabs and they're nearly swings at this stage because you've seen the other day we win we go eight Finn yeah. Harps went from seven, ninth to bottom so we know it's like at home and Finn Harps away with teams that are down around us you know we know it's a big weekend but I'm sure listen Galway and Sligo and Finn Harps and you know whoever else is down there they'll all be staying the same yeah, it's, 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 it is very like Galway because you just had a, a, a so-called favourable set of fixtures. And where is where's realistic for Pats to look for this season? I know it's kind of obvious at the moment you just want to get out of trouble, but potentially your players are such that you could definitely be top half if, they put, if it clicked. Yeah, if it, yeah, basically that's it. Um, I don't think anyone was kind of expecting us to win a league or can challenge for a league this season, but certainly... You know, the fourth place generally in this country gets the European spot because normally the top three are in the, mm. you know, one of the top three is going to win it or in the final. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We just, we, it's just about winning games at this moment. I know it's a cliche, but we just need to keep winning games. And, you know, maybe we can sit down with a different perspective come the end of July and stuff like that. The summer months are huge, whether you're going for a title or fighting relegation because of Europe and injuries and suspensions. Like I only looked at the suspension list today. All of a sudden, every week it's been two or three. All of a sudden, I think there's 10 or 12 in today, and they can have a big burden on results. And any reaction to the Ireland squad, lads? Sean Maguire, there was obviously a debate as to whether or not he should be in. Were you disappointed, Ger, that he wasn't? Uh, from a League of Ireland perspective, yeah, but I don't like saying this, and I've said it many times. I don't think anyone can play regularly in the League of Ireland and perform at an international level. I think the boys, the likes of Andy Boyle and Daryl Horgan and people like that, have done it to an extent, but they still had to move to go and get in that squad and I know the whole you always say oh well he's only had to get in a plane over to England and now he's in the squad like two hours away or an hour away makes a difference but it's not that it's the train and like fans think differently than managers and coaches they need to see the environment they're in like them Dundalk players some of them they're People are clamouring for him to win, but the real thing is the boys are probably getting up at six in the morning, going to work, you know what I mean, leaving at four o'clock, go up to Dundalk and train, getting home at nine and ten at night, and then you've got the boys in England who probably the likes of Johnny Hayes, Adam Rooney and Aberdeen, lads who've been kind of on the 
you know the fringes. Killian Sheridan's name's obviously being banded about. He's got a load of goals and yeah, in Poland now. Poland, they're the yeah. league champions. It's a higher league than we have. It's it's rated obviously bigger in in the European index or whatever that is. Yeah, is and that fair enough then? Yeah, like I, I I guess I suppose to me I could see more of a case with Maguire uh, to be around the camp at some stage because we have such an issue with strikers full stop at the moment. The profile of strikers in the squad is pretty much over 30. Um, even Adam Rooney like hasn't got a chance yet. He's, he's 29, Adam. Well, I, I, th- I think, Dan, that the big thing is you're right in what you're saying there. I think Martin could probably look at, you know, with a little bit of foresight on this and say, well, what's the chances of Sean going in the summer? And if he does go in the summer, what's my chances of bringing him into the squad? And if it's the case, he's saying, well, he has a chance. There's no harm in letting him get into the environment and bring him in and let him train in Dublin for a few days or even in Cork. It's yeah, in Cork. They're, they're, they're doing some training down in Cork. See, the flip side is, what is your, you're asking Jerry what his reaction is and us, ask John Caulfield what his reaction is. He's probably thrilled because mm. if, if Sean Maguire goes to America, he's missing a game with Dundalk yeah. on, on, a, on a Friday yeah. night. You know, it's, it, but I think that, that the fact that they're down in Fota if you're going to integrate them to the group, because I think with Horgan and Boyle, there was a pragmatism there about having them involved as well. That with they probably the knew future. they were going to go in January. Mm. And it, it seems very likely Similar that the Maguire is going to go in the summer. Um, and I think if you have a problem position like that, which, which we do have at the moment in terms of a real dare to strikers scoring at any level in England, you know, you're looking to the guys at League One, League Two. But I mean, I do agree with Jeremy. Some of them are pretty big clubs you know and and, yeah. and, and and sort of proper structure I mean Maguire is full time here he's not yeah. getting up at 6 in the no. morning and going to work he's you not. know um, and I think what's the harm in, in having him around the place but you don't want it to be viewed as something that's a little tokenistic yeah. pat in the back I, 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 yeah. I don't think he, his one would be it wouldn't and, no, and no, that's it the would thing be, yeah, because be fair, like. he's a really good player he's a really good player and he's gone over and he's bounced back and he's gone looks like he's going to go back over or he went back over sorry yeah he's, he's, he's gone almost along. for thirds yeah back to him and I think he's probably ready as a player now when he first came in at Sligo I actually played against him when he was wide left and I just didn't feel that he had you know he wasn't ready then it didn't look like I didn't he, didn't, he wasn't so, physically in great no, state then was he but he seemed I mean, he seemed to always have those big quads he always had big quads but Cork have certainly chased Dundalk hard over the last few years on and off the pitch and obviously the physical stuff that Dundalk have set the bar on Cork are right behind them now when you look you know when, when they was go, that when something you failed in at Pats now because just visually you didn't look like the gym freaks that they look like at times no well, I, don't, I don't think it was completely down to being you know so toned or conditioned something like that don't get me wrong you have to be fit to play at the level that Dundalk got in but you have to be good footballers first and I think people were saying giving you know credit to strength and conditioning coaches but ultimately Stephen Kenny and Vinnie Peart and Steve Williams and people like that and I'm sure Jerry Spain wasn't it Jerry Spain Jerry yeah Spain, who's just gone now this Jerry year Spain, like them guys deserve huge credit because you can be as fit and as big and as strong as you want, but ultimately it's down to a tactical game and how the belief and from being in the Stephen Kenny dressing room, the belief that he would have gave those players would have been way more it's more beneficial than someone who was able to you know lift X amount of weight. Yeah, and we're going to very very shortly wrap up what I think's been a really enjoyable show. But your 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 playing career, you don't you know look physically like you're 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 a guy that should be gone. You're only turning thirty three. Um, why are you not still? playing at League of Ireland level and how long more are you going to be available for selection I suppose yeah well I think available for selection is is the phrase that you can use but listen League of Ireland terms the one word that has never been used is longevity in League of Ireland terms and I could have easily played on this year 
but an opportunity an opportunity came up within the club to maybe go in with Liam and the backroom staff and also work with the underage section and of a young family at home and I seen longevity in this and if I didn't take it then and I didn't want to be that player basically that people stand and look at and say Jesus he should have retired I'd rather him the questions that you're saying is how come you did retire or why did you retire because I can go happy I've been successful I've won things I've had like to think I've had a decent career I've given me all for the teams I've played for and to be honest with you it's probably the the biggest indication for me is that I'm not sitting there on a Friday night missing it you're not no which is strange because I thought I would have now maybe some I fill my void by going in and I'm in every day with the boys and I'm able to stay in and around the kind of dressing room and I'm able to be on the pitch with them but no I, I don't miss it and you know maybe the, the injuries that I had and maybe the fact that my own mentality was that I knew I'd never get back to the level that I had probably for those four or five years between maybe 2008 2013 is is kind of huge for me that you know I didn't want to be that player that you know other players look at and fans look at and maybe you know ah he's only playing because of this or whatever so it was probably the right decision for me to kind of make a step back um, we should, we, I think we are going to probably wrap up we did have one question for, for Gerardo um, I think it was in, in thought of you describing Pats as a small club earlier in the season uh, which is the heavier league trophy the FEI Cup or the EA Sports <laughs> Cup <laughs> uh, definitely the FEI Tony Mulraney with that question so. yeah Pats fan and he's a good, a good mate of mine again. Uh, but we, we had more questions. No, listen, I, are you, listen, I heard what you said that day. I think I don't think any club, like how can you call yourself a big club in, like, in the sense of who are we speaking about here? Like in terms of Ireland, yeah, there is, you know, you can call yourself a big club. But in the grand scheme of things of other leagues and, you know, other nations that have the same population as us, you've got 20,000 fans going to matches. Well, then, you know, we're all small fry in this country, but we've got to make do the best we can. And, Unfortunately, Pats have a really older generation of fans. Um, we also have an older generation in, in the community as well, which we kind of need to replace. And we partner up with clubs as well and school visits and club visits and stuff like that. We're hoping to kind of re-energise the to whole build thing. build something maybe again. Yeah, Try build a connection. Try yeah. They're a small club as well, relatively. They are quite a small club, Pats. <laughs> I, I wasn't you read Brian Kerr's amazing article uh, there last Monday. Pats are a small club. I've I wouldn't think they're a small club. In the in the scheme, in the this sounds like a lifetime ago. Yeah, this but won't be. A, so we'll be long out of the building by the time it's <laughs> aired. Uh, yeah, so that was actually 13 episodes ago. We've had an awful lot to talk about between then and now. Uh, hashtag LOI Weekly. Get your comments in on this show because I think it gave people a very good indication of the future of the league and pragmatic kind of analysis of where we're going uh, thanks very much Jeff, for coming on no problem thanks Cheers, for having yeah. me uh, so we're at uh, obviously at LOI Weekly on Twitter and we'll be back with a lot more to talk about next week with the two rounds of games beforehand uh, and uh, we will well, I think we're on Snapchat as well by Snapchat the way. which again is new to me um, I've, trying I've, to I, no, my I tried media. to have a go at it last week Badly. I ended up taking a picture of a Oh, Daily Mount Sideways. You know, one of those, like something you'd get from like, you know, your mum when she starts using a mobile phone or something <laughs> for the first time. So Snapchat just isn't for me. No, I'm not mad at it either, but we'll see. Maybe we'll have a bit of Snapchat. It's where, what is it? At LOI Weekly, I think, on Snapchat at or something. LOI so you get to send like, you know, 10 second clips. We're of, work in progress, Sam. Yeah, we've got through the whole show without talking about your Galby Hooker as well. So that's that's progress. Yeah. That's, that's progress. Um, that was the episode 13 of LOI Weekly. And thank you very much for listening.